Hello and welcome to the Rogers Brief. I'm Adam Rogers. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. It's day 14 of the Mass Casualty Commission proceedings uh, just completed now today. And today was uh, focused on some testimony from Constables uh, Craig Hubley and Ben McLeod. Now, those two individuals were the ones who ended the uh, gunman's rampage by uh, shooting him dead at the uh, big stop in Enfield. And so we heard about this uh, yesterday at the uh, during the foundational document presentation, but today we got to hear uh, directly from the two officers. Now, uh, that choice in itself was uh, certainly a significant choice to have the officers testify, particularly now before a long weekend, particularly before a long break in proceedings. The two very heroic uh, officers who, who killed the gunman uh, were will be the last thing on people's minds. So. That was certainly a significant, uh, if you'd call it, editorial or presentation choice to put them forward at this time rather than, say, the uh, officers Brown and Melanson, who uh, we now know had three near blue-on-blue -blue shooting incidents during the uh, 13 and a half hours. So uh, that was uh, certainly a, a choice, but regardless, there they were, and uh, they testified. Testified very well. Anybody that watched it uh, would certainly be impressed with uh, both officers and their ability to answer questions and recall events, that sort of thing. There was, uh, at the start of the day, I mentioned this yesterday now, I'd kind of expected after yesterday's proceedings, now at the end of the day yesterday, you'll recall, there were submissions from different lawyers on uh, the gaps in evidence in the, in the foundational documents and in just procedural problems. And there were some very direct and, uh, you know, um, pointed uh, comments, respectful, but uh, direct, and I thought the commissioners may come out this morning and, and provide some reaction to that and talk about how the process may evolve, but uh, they, they didn't do so. So uh, that was, uh, I thought, noteworthy. Now, it was uh, certainly a, an intense uh, emotional day in terms of the testimony that was uh, forthcoming from the officers. And one of the things as a lawyer, and one of the most important skills as a lawyer is to have sort of emotional control and uh, detachment. I mean, you need to be able to recognize and understand the emotions of situations, of participants, of, you know, people may have in certain scenarios, but not be drawn in emotionally yourself. So maintaining a detachment uh, in that regard so that you can do your best kind of uh, clear-headed analysis. So uh, that's uh, one of the things I bring to this. So, you know, even though you get this very intense sort of first-person account of the Irving Big Stop uh, incident and some discussion earlier from Constable Hubley about uh, a dog rescue, um, certainly you, you try to keep, you know, keep from beginning overwhelmed by those emotions yourself. So the first thing actually Constable Hubley spoke about was in Portapic itself, he was at the Macaulay residence and saw that the uh, killer had shot the family dog and he said this was a particularly he's a now constable Hubley is a dog handler That's why he was there that night, and he was working with the emergency response team the earth squad now He said the dog was only about 20 pounds It was certainly no threat to anybody, but the killer uh, shot the dog and so that really demonstrated to him uh, the vindictiveness and the potential uh, danger of this uh, individual so uh, that was a a significant fact for Constable Hubley. Now, uh, Constable McLeod was the other individual that was in the in the suburban at the Irving Big Stop at the end. 
he was also involved back in the, the Portapique situation. In fact, he was one of the officers that brought Lisa Banfield out of uh, Mr. Jodry's home and uh, gave her some initial treatment. He is a medic, he trained medic himself. Now he did note in his statement, and this was brought out not in the uh, leading testimony from Commission Council, but rather from uh, Michael Scott in cross-examination later, that uh, Constable McLeod noted in his report at the time that there was no significant injuries to Ms. Banfield. He said she was very disheveled, more disheveled than he'd ever uh, seen somebody, but uh, not, uh, not significant injuries. He, uh, he also relayed that Ms. Banfield had mentioned that the killer, she thought the killer's plans were to kill her, go to Dartmouth and kill his sister, and then go travel to Moncton to kill his parents. And we know from some reports that the killer did have a very, uh, you know, acrimonious relationship with his family, which stretched back many years. And so it's not surprising, if true, that these, this may have been his plan. And if you think of it from that perspective, it can help explain some of his actions in Portapique proper. Perhaps he was looking for Miss Banfield as he began his rampage, and then when he couldn't find her but knew he was, the things were closing in on him, perhaps uh, with the, the officers showing up at the head of the road, uh, left by another exit and then tried to get himself to, to Dartmouth and just, uh, you know, making causing mayhem along the way to distract the police or, or keep them from, from finding them. So. Uh, we'll see. That doesn't explain everything. It certainly doesn't explain the McLeod uh, Jenkins uh, killings and the visit to their home, but uh, there may be unrelated explanations for that, so we'll see. Now, a significant part of the information uh, that I've seen from the Big Stop actually was not presented either yesterday or today, and that is the video of the, of the shootings, of the final moments of the killer's life. There is video. It exists. The uh, media have been provided with copies of it. Now, uh, I was talking to Sheldon McLeod about this earlier. I know Frank Magazine was tweeting about this today, that they've received copies of the video, but under conditions from the Mass Casualty Commission that they don't publish it, they don't share it, and that after they've viewed it, that they must destroy it. Now, to me, this is really improper. I've seen the video. Like I said, it's not graphic uh, other than their shots fired in the video but you don't see anything terribly uh, graphic or gruesome in the video uh, and the commission hasn't explained why they wouldn't show I mean this is the best kind of evidence you could possibly have for an incident but instead they relied on witness statements and uh, still photos from the video and still photos do show a different kind of perspective than a video in the video, if you watch it, it happens very quickly. The officers get out and almost instantaneously start shooting. And so it can lead to an impression that they knew the killer was there. Whereas if you just look at the still photos and you see, all right, a second or two seconds have passed or something, well, it gives a different impression, something a little more... Um, where there was more thought involved, uh, some time to reflect or, or you know plan actions during those few seconds. Uh, which is not apparent if you watch the video. So I know that was a deliberate choice by the commission. They didn't explain the choice, and um, the video has not been played. So uh, that was, uh, I thought, a significant um, problem with the evidence uh, today and yesterday. Now, uh, Constable Hubley, another, another thing that came out. Now, Constable Hubley was explaining why they went to the big stop. And he explains that they, you know, they'd been started off that morning in Halifax with a suburban of a full tank of gas. 
and had been driving around for a while and thought this was an opportunity to fill up the tank. Well, two things on that. One is that uh, Constables Hubley and McLeod both stated that this was a moment during the, the unfolding events where they thought they were very close to the killer. They knew that he had just uh, had the confrontations with Constables Morrison and, and Stevenson just minutes prior and uh, was certainly or most likely in the area and they stopped for gas. The other thing is Constable uh, Hubley said he had less than half a tank. Now different people have different views on what less than half a tank uh, would prompt you to do but you know if do you think the killer's within a few kilometers perhaps and you have half a tank of gas maybe you wait till you get under a quarter tank or under an eighth of a tank before you start uh, panicking or, or well, he didn't panic but before you start thinking about filling up the tank with gas so questions weren't asked but uh, that was the comment from Constable Hubley that it was uh, less than half a tank so uh, we'll see if that uh, emerges in, in later testimony now the officers when they when they get to the tank they're on the opposite side of the same pump basically as the killer and they look over uh, Constable Hubley uh, I thought it was a really good description on his part said he looked like a prize fighter between rounds. He was sitting there, he hadn't gotten out of the car yet to try to fill up his own vehicle with gas. He was bleeding, untreated wound on his forehead, uh, white shirt, looked to be sweating, and uh, just gave that uh, you know that impression of somebody, uh, like I said, a prize fighter, like Constable Hubley said, a prize fighter uh, between rounds. But uh, they saw him, uh, Constable Hubley recognized him, showed it out to his partner, he says that it's him, Benny, it's him. And then uh, as soon as the killer started uh, reaching for a gun, starting to raise a gun, then they opened fire on him and, and killed him. Now, a significant fact that came out yesterday for the first time, uh, and here we are two years on, was that the killer uh, tried to uh, kill himself and actually did shoot himself in the head. Now, uh, Chief Medical Examiner Dr. Bose explained that you know, while that would have killed him, uh, in fact, he died before it had the chance to kill him because of the shots. Uh, there were 23 shots fired from the two officers uh, into his body, and so uh, that is what killed him. But uh, he did uh, also try to kill himself. Significant fact: it goes to the motivations and the planning of the uh, the perpetrator in these situations. So uh, that was interesting. Now. Another thing that I thought was kind of interesting, oh, so the officers also, they kept shooting, that seems like a lot of shots, but it's, you know, they say it's unlikely that just one or two bullets is, is definitely going to stop somebody or, or kill somebody, so they, uh, they kept firing. The other thing was, Constable Hewley mentioned they weren't sure whether, because he had all these police things, whether he may have had body armor, and so they kept firing for those reasons, uh, which all makes sense to me. Now, the... It all happened very quickly, just in a matter of seconds, and then they move for cover behind the Suburban while the rest of the Earth Squad moves in behind the Mazda 3 to secure the body at that point. Um, nobody was asked, nobody asked, uh, I guess these Constable Hubley and McLeod weren't, didn't do this part, but why would they put him in, in cuffs at that point when he was clearly dead? I'm not clear. The other thing that was, uh, so many questions were asked about whether the officers knew that uh, Wartman was there before they showed up at the big stop and like I said when you watch the video it looks like it certainly would make sense watching the video to say oh they knew he was there because they get out and immediately start shooting although the fact where they the place where they stopped 
wouldn't make sense if they knew that because they were in very close proximity to him and in danger themselves. It would make more sense if they knew he was there to park behind him or do something like that. So, um, so that there, there's there's things that go in both directions in that question. Roger Burrell, uh, Commission Council, asked uh, Constable Hubley whether they had any instructions to execute Gabriel Wartman. And uh, the, quite, the answer was no. I knew that would be the answer. But it was interesting. I think that was the first time I've heard the name of the perpetrator uh, uh, uttered by uh, Mr. Burrell or anybody on Commission Council. I, I, maybe I missed something, but they've been studiously trying to avoid saying his name, but they, uh, they said it there. So that was uh, that was all very interesting, uh, you know, very dramatic uh, testimony coming from the the Irving Big Stop. Um, you know, if you certainly accept what the the officers have said, very quick thinking on their part, and uh, you know, proper technique and all those things. So the afternoon uh, then afterwards, there were some questions, cross examination questions, and we saw this uh, sort of conglomeration of questions through two lawyers in this case, there was Michael Scott from Patterson Law and then Josh Bryson, Josh Bryson from uh, Chester Law. Josh Bryson represents the Bond family. His questions uh, were mostly to do with the searching of uh, Cobbequid Court, what uh, Constable McLeod in particular was with the Earth Squad going around Portapique, uh, you know, checking on homes, what he recalled or, or remembered about the uh, the Cobbequid Court portion of, of that and really he didn't remember anything. He said if, if it wasn't broadcast over the radio as an address, uh, he would have a hard time remembering it now. The reason those questions were being asked is that the Bond family, as I understand, was not uh, found by the officers until late in the afternoon on uh, Sunday the 19th. So there's some questions about why their home hadn't been uh, searched earlier. Michael Scott's questions were a twofold. One was uh, in relation to Miss Banfield, and so we asked some of the questions about her health presentation that uh, Mr. That Constable McLeod identified. The second, and I've talked about that, but the second part was the uh, the preparation and the actions of these two officers. So, and people will be watching these questions, thinking, "Well, they seem to have done everything right. Why is he asking those questions?" Well, because they they prepared properly. They had their gear ready. They had, uh, Constable Hubley had studied uh, Wartman's photograph, and that's why he was able to identify him. He had, uh, you know, studied the, the vehicle photo, so he'd be able to identify the vehicle if he came across the, the mock police cruiser. And then even in the, the shooting technique of uh, Constable McLeod at a certain angle, because he's six foot six, and all of these things, everything seemed to go quite well. And Michael Scott was asking about that. Not to be critical of these officers, I would suggest to you, but rather to build them up in order to compare those to the actions of some of the other officers that were involved, the frontline officers uh, that maybe didn't uh, live up to that high standard. So uh, that was the reason for those questions, because at some point uh, you'll hear Michael Scott say, well, uh, Constables Hubley and McLeod did this, this, and this, which is all very good. Compare that to these other officers who uh, who didn't take those kind of actions or make those kind of preparations or, or think about the kind of communication lines that these two did. So, very interesting, uh, very interesting day. Like I said, in a, an emotional, emotionally packed testimony. Uh, very, very important things. Um, still waiting to hear more of a response from the commission to some of the criticisms. Perhaps uh, that will happen when 
they've had some more time to reflect either over the holiday over the break and come back on the uh, 24th 25th I believe is the the next day's uh, Monday I think I'll be attending in person that day uh, there's a uh, event in, in Halifax the day before that I think I'll be attending so I'll tell more about that as the days approaches. Uh, next week there's no commission hearings it's the anniversary of course of the events the two-year anniversary so that's really one of the reasons. Uh, from my own perspective I'll be in hearings next week with the Desmond Inquiry doing closing submissions so uh, people who are interested in seeing a uh, comparison we won't be doing uh, any witnesses but there'll be closing submissions and you'll get to uh, catch up on all of the details of uh, that very important work as well so that's Tuesday and Wednesday uh, next week and I'll be doing my closing submissions on Wednesday afternoon uh, the 20th so uh, so I may or may not be posting anything in the meantime I have lots of work to do to prepare that closing and review some of the other submissions but uh, certainly if anything important arises I will be back to talk about it otherwise uh, thank you for watching and thank you for listening I'll be, uh, I did an interview with Sheldon McLeod on the uh, Saltwire network today as well. That'll be posted and I'll post a link to that too once it is up. So until then, uh, we will, until next time, we'll, uh, we'll see you then. All right, thank you for watching.